producer. If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy Dale Lippin in here with Trey Van Buskirk himself. I am hungover, but not from drinking that alcohol, not that al- 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 alcohol like Jamie Foxx sang about, but from a, a massive fight weekend. Man, big fight hangover is real. It is alive. It is well. Your boy is lackluster at best, but I'm hoping to draw on the power and the radiance that is your good looks and million dollar smile, Trey Van Buskirk. Power me through this episode, brother. How are you? I was excited. I thought we were both legit hungover. I am actually hungover, Dale. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, my hangover days are pretty much done. Uh, I don't really drink that much anymore. I just keep it on a steady, right? Rather than going like real, like you know, it's almost like I keep my gas tank uh, partially full all the time. I, I sit at three quarter tank all the time, as opposed to topping it off or emptying it out three quarter. I live. I live my life. Three-quarter tank at a time. You're that guy that goes to a gas station and puts just five bucks in? No, no, no. I always put 15 in. I don't want to do the five. I always put 15. So, so is, there, is there a reason for that number? I'm a serial killer. 100%. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we have a ton of – we do we have so much to talk about. It's weird because we actually have fights that we're going to talk about as well. There is a betting perspective and component to this show, but – we would be remiss if we didn't sort of camp on this weekend, talk about it a little bit, unpack some things that happened, and move on from there. Um, UFC 261 was man. I, I hate to I hate to get go huge, right? Um, I hate to I hate to lean into hyperbole and 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 let recency bias run the show. Damn it, Trey is one of the best cards I ever I've ever seen from top to bottom, man. It was from top to bottom, one of the best cards I've ever seen. So prior to actually the first fight on the prelims, um, you texted me and said there was only one other fight in your history where you got chills. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, I think I alluded to it. I, I've said it. I've said it on our show before. Uh, having kids makes you soft. And there are times now as a dad um, that stuff that normally wouldn't make me emotional or that I wouldn't care about. um, I care about a lot now. Right. And get me quite a bit. Uh, In particular, I find myself with moments of greatness that kind of like get to it. Just I don't know, man, it gives me the little stingers in the corner of my eyes, if, if you will. Right. Uh, it's usually the Olympics, if I'm being honest. Usually the Olympics get me uh, whenever somebody's standing there receiving their gold medal national anthem playing in the background, and they're crying, I'm crying, you're crying. It's just, it, dude, it's it's awesome. It's like, it is one of the most underrated, but also one of the greatest moments in athletic, I don't know, a- athletic history, if you will. I don't know. It's, it's, it's so amazing, the idea of winning a gold medal in the Olympics, right? So that all that has always gotten me, right? The the national anthem, 
it sounds like super like <laughs> like patriotic nonsense but dude i've always been even like national anthem like a good national anthem at a football game a baseball game whatever at times can get me um just depends on who it is right and the olympics always get me anyway 10,000 words where five well, where five would have done. The Miguel Cotto, Antonio Margarito rematch was the, the, the closest thing outside the Olympics that I ever got. Uh, if you're not aware of the story, Antonio Margarito defeated Miguel Cotto in their first fight. It was widely uh, speculated after the fact that Margarito had uh, plaster of Paris in his hand wraps. So as the fight went on and his hands got wet from sweat, his gloves actually got harder uh, and the punches started doing more damage, and he ultimately ended up beating Miguel Cotto for the first time in Cotto's career. On top of that, it was a horrific beating, one of which that Miguel Cotto did not understand because he didn't realize why he didn't understand why the punches started hurting more as the fight went on. But also, he got mad because boxing is one of those sports where you can legitimately kill a person, and if you have an unfair advantage, like something hardening your gloves, you can kill a guy. And a guy like Miguel Cotto, who has a bunch of kids, he took that to heart. However, years passed in between those bouts. He fought Manny Pacquiao. He fought, he fought Floyd Mayweather. Um, there was a lot that happened since then. And it took years off of his career. But he finally got the rematch with Antonio Margarito. Um, so he walks out Madison Square Garden. Everybody's there. He's, you know, a Puerto Rican, but always sold out Madison Square Garden. It was just like his home away from home. He's walking out and it's just fucking electric, man. They did so much buildup going into the fight, everything. And he's walking out and he just has this like stoic murder face on. And I'm like, I'm just like, I can't, I can't believe this is happening. Like we're, we're finally going to get to see it happen. And then he goes out there and just puts on the clinic of all clinics, like he was doing the first time, but you could tell that there was a difference, right? You could tell that there was nothing wrong with his gloves. Uh, and he just, he boxed Antonio Margarito's face off. Now, prior to that, Margarito had fought, uh, I'm sorry, had fought Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao broke his orbital, orbital bone and Margarito's face was a mess. So what does Cotto do when he comes out? He just targets that eye again. And within <laughs> within like three rounds has Margarito's face the size of a watermelon. And then they ultimately stop the fight because Cotto just fucked his face up. At the end of the fight, and I'll wrap this up because I'm getting wordy here. He, he just sort of like jumps on the ropes and collapses and he's crying and he's sobbing. He's so happy wow. that he was able to like make like wrong or write that wrong. You know what I mean? And I remember watching it just being like, damn it. Like, this is just like, you're getting me. You know what I mean? Like you're getting me even now just talking about it. It was like this moment of retribution, right? Like a man struggled against himself and outside forces and came out victorious, man. It's it's beautiful, man. I freaking love it, man. I love, I love our sport. I love MMA. I love boxing. I love the symbolism. I love the, the, the struggle. It's, it's beautiful, man. I freaking love it. Yeah, no, and he said, man, I didn't even know about that story, so thanks for sharing that. I, <laughs> I swear to God, that was awesome. Um, I will say this, though. I mean, going into the fight, you know, you could say all the variables, whether it's, you know, we're back at the Apex, we're in Jacksonville, yeah. you know, say, you know, octagon size, all this different stuff, but the crowd element is such a piece that needs to be implanted into each one of these bouts. We said this from, from the moment this fight was going to take place or this card was going to take place that – Guys, take a look at the unders. Take a look at the inside the distance. People are going to be hungrier and be more eager to get the finish. The crowd's going to put this 
this anxiety, this weight, this pressure that no one can, can quantify. And yeah. that's what we saw. We had a bunch of listeners reach out and said, man, if I just played inside the distance of the whole fucking card and parlayed that shit, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah. Um, it, it was unbelievable. And I think what you said, you know, from the first it's time that came out of Bruce Buffer, I think everyone sitting at home, sitting in the stadium, whatever, got these chills because it is an electric fan base. It's yeah. a sport unlike any other. And man, is Dana White stoked because UFC 261 was a clinic from prelim all the way to main event. Yeah, it, it just it, it, it crushed me, man, because um, one, it's a return to normalcy. Right. And you know how I feel about some of the stuff anyway. But I'm just anxious for the world to just just get back, right? And it was one of those things, man, where they they from a production standpoint they showed a little bit more, right? So normally, um, if you've been to a live event, mm -hmm. you're sitting there, the arena's kind of like that half lit, sort of dark, right? Then they drop the house lights, and then the first fight shows up on the on the screen, and you get that that like cinematic, like the like, and it shows it. Like right. the, the matchup that's getting ready to start. Well, they showed that. That was part of the production. Like they zoomed up to the screen, the house lights dropped, and the Carnalosi versus Leong, what, you know, uh, graphic popped up. And even though it was only like a maybe a quarter filled or half filled house, it, they went bananas. <laughs> and I was just like, man, this, this, this is it. Like we're, we're getting there. Like this is a thing. And then Bruce Buffer um, comes out. And he's got the mic and he's got that big dick swagger going. And he's just like, you know, ah, dude, just that ladies and gentlemen. And I was just like, man, it feels good to be back, man. It feels so good to be back. And then they freaking Carnalosi runs across the octagon and gets stung with that right hand in the place. Like the camera shook. They were so, dude, I, I man, it was just golly. What a great, what a great moment for the sport. And I thought about, I was thinking about a way to quantify this, right? And because we have a ton of fights to talk about too. So I don't want to sit on this too long, but to quantify this, this felt maybe not of the importance, but it felt of the magnitude. Like two, 261 felt of the magnitude of the Stefan Bonner Forrest Griffin moment. Wow. Because it was, it, it, it's a timestamp of a new era for the promotion like this is it like so there's the it, 261 moving forward is a new moment in time for the ufc because we had this this man-made whatever you want to call it block of time where the events were different the matchmaking was different everything was everything was so different yeah. um and yeah man it's just it's so crazy this this will be this will be a timestamp. This will be a timestamp in the history of the UFC this last year where there were no live events and then moving forward from 261. It, it's it's akin to Griffin versus Bonner. This will be a moment where people will go from this moment forward or this moment backwards. Yeah, and outside of viewership, I think just even from the athlete's perspective, you don't think that Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby's phones were blowing up after oh, that. Yeah. How do I get on a freaking card right now? Mm -hmm. I'm motivated. Our people's main event el Hefe versus the mongolian murder talk about the best back and forth affair to the point where they're diving slip and slide style on the end of the third round yeah unbelievable but that's just that was a a prereq to how the whole card went and through and through 
boom, dude, statement card, UFC is alive and well again. Yeah, absolutely. On any other night, that's fight of the night. On any other night, <laughs> that was fight of the night. We were like, we were dead on any other any other night. Yeah. Um, but we had three title fights. We had a, a we had a main card that was absolutely wild, all finishes. Uh, so let's talk about some of these real quick. Anthony Smith plus two hundred. Jimmy Crute. Jimmy Crute looks like you know he lives up to his namesake, the brute. He had no problem physically with Anthony Smith, uh, but Anthony Smith landed just a beautiful, beautifully executed leg kick, man. I mean, he he said it in his press conference. He's like, I hit him and it was so deep and it was so flush. And he's like, I kick so hard. You know, he's like, I kind of just, as soon as I hit him with it, just sort of realized, like thought, man, I, he's going to feel that. He's like, I just didn't realize it was going to be to that extent. I mean, you know, what do you do in a situation like that? Jimmy Crute was still able to secure the takedown on one leg, still maintain top position for the last 90 seconds of the round. Yeah. Uh, if that fight goes into rounds two and three and Anthony Smith can't continue to beat up that leg, even though his jab looked good, I, I think it's a different outcome. But damn it, if a beautiful technique didn't change the outcome of that fight. No, and I think the once the adrenaline dropped, the endorphins went away to a certain extent. Jimmy Crew understood, holy shit, he did kick it very hard. I mean, you you saw the ref goes over and says, Hey, you good? He's like, I'm good, I'm good, and then takes a step, looks down, and then kind of like tremor steps a second, backs up on it, and then realize that moment, moment, fuck, I can't go forward, punches the octagon, and then it's game over. I think you know, he's too strong for his own will, but to uh Anthony Smith's point. I mean, he kicked that. He kicked it flush right behind the knee, beautifully put, and it put him out. Yeah, I think Jimmy Crew, given the opportunity, if the, if the if the doctor doesn't step in, will stand there with his back against the cage and fight one legged. Oh, uh, sure. I mean, yeah. Jimmy Crew's stock goes up in that fight, right? 100%. It goes up, even though you know it was it was an unfavorable outcome for him. His stock still goes up. It's crazy. Now, the flip side of that coin, a guy who gets a win whose stock probably goes down a little bit, even of no fault of their own. Uriah Hall gets the victory. First man ever to get secure a victory inside the octagon without throwing or landing a single punch. Uriah Hall defeats Chris Weidman via TKO because Chris Weidman's leg breaks, a la Anderson Silva. And what has to be the most MMA ironic karma like moments I've ever I, I I can't think of another parallel in sports akin to what we saw on Saturday night with Chris Wyman breaking his leg on Uriah Hall the way Uriah Hall or the way Anderson Silva broke his leg on Chris Weidman's. And who do they compare Uriah Hall to more than anybody else? Well, his opponent that he just had in his last fight, Anderson, Anderson Silva. Silva. Yeah. It's it's absurd. I mean Dude, I, the storylines in the sport are just ludicrous. It's like a 12-year-old trying to write the most exciting novel they can. I'm going to catch a bunch of heat for saying this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Catch the heat. I I called Uriah Hall to win that fight. And obviously not by that. <laughs> not right. by that way. Okay. No, but the reason I say that is because I honestly think that Uriah Hall, if that fight went on, he was going to win that fight. And if he did, you want to talk about stock eroding, stock yeah. going away, Chris Weidman would be the biggest call to action on, you know, the, the Monday falling would be hang it up, Chris. It's over. You had a good run. You were a champion, you know, but it's done. 
Yeah. This gives him an opportunity to see the resurgence, see the comeback that is Chris Weidman. Do I think he's actually going to have a true comeback? Absolutely not. But it guarantees him a fight versus the call to action that would be hang it up. Well, Chris Weidman was always going to fight again regardless. If he goes out to if he goes out to uh, a, a unanimous decision loss or knockout to Uriah Hall, high likelihood he gets cut by the UFC. Yeah. But he'll go to Bellator. Like Chris Weidman is not done whenever he leaves the UFC. He will go and fight Bellator. They'll match him against freaking Musasi or some shit like that. Like they they will do that to him. Um, they will bring him on to, at another promotion. I think that he knows enough and has enough people that care about him in his corner to not let him go to like bare knuckle. Uh, or go to one or something like that where he can get soccer kicked to death. But I do believe that he will fight again, um, regardless of whether or not that fight with Hall came to fruition as far as completion is concerned. And in some in some instances, it did come to completion. I do think, though, that we see Chris Weidman again, probably take about 18 months off. He'll come back. It'll probably under the premise that this is going to be your last fight, bud. They'll give him... A semi-favorable matchup, um, a Maki Patolo of sorts, somebody outside the top 15, something that he should be able to win, and they'll try to send him off on a, in, in the sunset, at which point he may, hopefully, Lord willing, uh, stay retired. But in all likelihood, we are going to see Chris Weidman compete under the Bellator banner here at some point. Yeah, yeah, I can see that for sure. The way of Tyron Woodley. Yep. All right. Let's rifle through these these three title fights real quick. Valentina Shevchenko defeats Jessica Andrade. Wasn't even competitive. We, I mean, here's the thing. We didn't think it was going to be competitive. We were just trying to figure out how to get value out of her. I said by decision, uh, Valentina Shevchenko came out and fueled by the fury of a 1,000 sons and 15,000 screaming fans decided to make a statement and put on probably one of the most lopsided title fight performances I've ever seen outside of Kamara Usman beating Tyron Woodley the way that he did. Valentina Shevchenko dominated Jessica Andrade from pillar to post in a highly uncompetitive fight and then ultimately finished her. What was that in the second round? Um, any way she wanted it, man, she was able to get it done. Valentina is a monster, a monster. And if it, it, it's so funny to me that if if there was a, no Amanda Nunes, we call Valentina Shevchenko the, the GOAT as far as women are concerned. The only reason why we don't is, uh, you know, Amanda Nunes. Outside of that, Valentina's the goat, man. It's not even. It's there's. It's it's Nunez, Shevchenko in a distant third place. Well, and and we've said it a couple of times. When you become that dominant and they're clearing out the division, sometimes you actually just start mailing it in. You literally like yeah. just say, "Hey, how can I win this fight but play it safe, where I can elongate my career and just kind of hold position?" But she was very transparent in her post-fight speech that was. Hey, the moment I walked out, I heard the crowd, my endorphins, my adrenaline went through the fucking roof and I was out for just cold blood. Yeah. So I think, you know, she was a little, she played a little bit more urgent than, you know, typical Shevchenko would, but the dominance was obviously the most lateral thing we've seen through her entire career. It was, it was, it was unprecedented. She just, it wasn't even competitive. All right. Uh, Rose Nami Yunus defeats Zhang Wei Li. Snap kick. Toe tap, the toe tap of doom, the Lithuanian toe tap. Um, right on the side of the face, man, folded her up like a chair. I mean, 
bro. The, I mean, the, you talk about the theater of the unpredictable. I did not see that coming. I had Wei Lee. I know a lot of people were on Rose, but mo most of that's because Rose was, you know, is a fan favorite. And you and I exchanged text, me text messages. And whenever Rose transformed into Red Pill Rose, we thought, you know, Rose by murder. But most of that was <laughs> most of that was just being funny. Um, but damn it, if she didn't come out and look untouchable. And, yeah. And just, I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a short fight, though. So we didn't get to see too much in it, you know. But one thing that you forget about Rose is, is she is a lithuanian mamba she is so silky and so smooth and so freaking fast she's on you before you realize it i mean i always forget how fast and how rangy rose nami Yunus is i mean she only fights once a year so it's very hard to remember how good she is whenever you see her but dude i mean she came out and looked she had the speed advantage and i was like oh shit all right whaley's gonna have to just weather the storm Get us to rounds three, four, and five, which is where I wanted it, and we'll get out of there. And then as soon as I thought it, she toe tapped her. She put her little 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 piggy went to market right on the side of her face, and that was it, bro. Whaley was out. It was over with. Yeah, and I was shocked because I was on Whaley for a multitude of reasons. One that I I didn't state in her last show, but Whaley was the first time she had a true camp in associated to her team in a central location. The fight yeah. with Joanna, she bounced around three different countries. She was on three different meal plans. She was on three different time zones. She was a fucking mess when she went into the Joanna fight and really didn't come to herself until those later four and five rounds. Right. Having a full camp, being on the right time zone, having the correct meals. I thought this is going to be a killer. Someone who's going to be half a step ahead. Clearly I was wrong there. Um, Rose looks amazing. And another thing that I was clearly wrong on is I said this from the beginning. I never understand why Rose is America's sweetheart. Now I know if you watched the Pat Berry speech right after that, where she's, yeah. she's like pumping her in the chest and says, well, you've been saying this for years. You're the best in the fucking world. You say it right now. And she goes, I'm the best. And you say it again. I'm the best. I'm like, Fuck, Rose, you are the best, man. You are the best. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, yeah. I think Pat Berry's creepy, but yeah, for sure. I thought that was great, <laughs> man. I thought that was great. Um, absolutely. I, I enjoy I enjoy Rose a lot. Uh, like I said, it was never a knock on her by picking Wei Lee. I just thought that Wei Lee had her number, and clearly that was wrong. One thing I do want to say, though, is I don't think that they should rematch right away. Everybody's yeah. so quick with the immediate rematches. I do not believe that you should have to beat the champ twice in a row to become the champ. I hate whenever somebody wins a title and they immediately run it back. There's no robbery. There was no split decision. There wasn't up in the air. That was a decisive, clean victory. Let Wei Lee go fight somebody else. Let Carlos her get Garza. a let her. Well, Carlos fighting the other. Um, yeah, after after she beats the shit out of her, she's gonna fight Carlos yeah. Barza. Okay, and that's fine. And then you can have you can have Wei Lee fight the Chinese girl that Carlos Barza is about to beat, and let yeah. the winner of them then fight the winner of the Carla and Rose rematch. I'm okay with that. I just hate immediate rematches. You shouldn't have to beat the champ twice in order to become the champ. Right. Um, only, there's only been a handful of people, less than a handful of people that I believe as a champ should ever be warranted immediate rematches in the event that they lose. One of which was Jose Aldo, but that never happened. Um, <laughs> and that's that's really kind of it, man. The, the, the list sort of starts and stops there. It's really Jose Aldo. Um and I can't think of a hard don't, argument for don't anybody Don't you else. slight Connor on the day he makes $600 million giving over priority share to Proximo for his whiskey brand. Dude, don't you do that on a day where he becomes money king, brah? I ain't worried about him. And it was his okay. whole it was his whole investment group, not just him. He didn't get, he didn't put $600 million in. His whole investment group did. Ah, okay. So 
Connor probably Connor probably. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. He probably put twenty million in the bank from that. But come on. <laughs> anyway, all right, bro. And then finally, the main event. Kamara Usman puts just just puts the stamp of all stamps and sleeps Jorge Masvidal. Um, just melted him in a highlight reel knockout. Uh, I know there was people that said, you know, inside the distance was the play there. Maybe, maybe it was, you know, Usman by decision has been a pretty consistent statistical play as far as betting is concerned. However, he does have finishes in his last three fights. So maybe Usman by, you know, Usman fights inside the distance is something we need to start paying attention to. But considering all, all of that, I'm considering all of that. You have a Kamar Usman that has not been finished since his second pro fight and a Jorge Masvidal that has not been finished since 2009 due to inverted triangle, the Tony Yamada, I I was not sitting here thinking it was the prudent bet to take that inside the distance. There were some people that were on it. Hats off to you. There were some people that messaged us that said, you know, whatever I saw, Bleacher Report, some other people were putting videos up of people that were cashing slips on that stuff. If you did that and you legitimately thought that fight was going to come to a conclusion like that, I tip my hat to you. You had an intuition that I did not have because – Statistically speaking, that was probably amongst the least likely outcomes was Kamar Usman sleeping Jorge Masvidal, especially with a punch and a one-punch knockout at that. Statistically, that was very improbable. But, again, it's a fucking high-stakes punch face, baby. Anything can happen. Well, it's high-stakes punch face, but when you have a coach, and I think this is what needs to be almost the bigger narrative that came out of that fight, is the back-to-back with Trevor Whitman. Trevor Whitman has changed the game as it relates to striking in a few fighters and his camp is unbelievable. I mean, right now, I mean, you have Justin Gaethje, obviously, you know, looming in the background, but with what he did with Rose, what he did with Usman, what he did with that jab, I know that's the most repetitive statement on the planet, but he has changed the striking game for that camp. And for what is the framework of the UFC, that guy is a force to be reckoned with. There's not many coaches out there that I think, are going to battle him for a coach of the year. Maybe James Krause, maybe glory um, MMA. Nah, bro. Everybody's all on Khabib's Khabib's nuts and bolts for coach of the year. Mm, okay. That's, that's, dude, that's hearts and minds of the people, bro. That's what they want. You make, well, you- I don't know. I, I just think he, he's done so much in such little time and to kind of track back and back to back fights like that, that takes a skill within itself. Kamara Usman is, in a, is a great move ever since he decided to bail from Gilbert Burns and say, hey, I'm going to go take a take a chance over here at Team Elevation. We've said this for a year, for a year dude. We believe Team Elevation is the most you know, solid camp or one of the most solid camps domestically. Dude, that's that's a camp, bro. Yeah, Colorado as a whole. I think we're just going to put it the state because you got Factory X there as well. So hmm. just, just throw them up there. Get Anthony Smith, where'd he move? Factory X. X yeah. yeah, and look at the results. All right. Uh, speaking of Colorado and all things Western and delicious <laughs> and, and beautiful and mountain toppy, uh, stay classy meats, bro. I had me some, hey, you, I want to draw you, you start, you brought up irony, uh, because I was eating hot dogs on fight night. Here's right. the thing. The hot dogs I ate from stay classy meat were actually 100% Wagyu beef hot dogs. Okay. Those were not pork hot dogs and the pig goes back tomorrow. So I will be pig free after tomorrow i'm gonna tell you man having a pig is the weirdest thing it's so weird because it's smart like a dog but it's not a dog like your mind goes i don't understand this animal like i i understand it's a pig but i just don't get 
why it acts behave acts and behaves like a dog. I it's, don't understand South Carolina at all. It's the craziest thing. It's so strange, man. It's the craziest the, state. Those of you that have never owned a domestic pig or been around a domestic pig, it is a learning experience for sure. Um, it's crate trained. It is. I literally let it out with the dogs, and it goes out with the dogs, and you know does its business in the yard, and does my kids' homework. Like, does my kids' homework. It's it's crazy. <laughs> and then when it lays near the fireplace, the whole house smells good. It's so strange, man. <laughs> It's so strange. Yeah. All right, guys, go to Stay Classy Meats. Jemima all over that baby. Dude. That's it. That's it. Stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code FIST. You can save 10% on the entire thing. Only thing I did not like about UFC 261. Okay. Scan the crowd numerous times, obviously, to show the amount of people that were in that stadium. Did yeah. not see that many Allegiance clothing, which blows my mind. Well, here's the, here's the thing, right? Is that we, we need to get bigger. The podcast needs to grow. And if people gave us more iTunes reviews, preferably of the five-star category, the podcast would grow. More people would know about Allegiance Clothing. And then they could use our promo code PUNCH, which will save them 15% on the entire order. <laughs> It'd be so easy. It'd, be so, It'd easy. be so easy. If you would just leave us a review on iTunes, more people would know about Allegiance Clothing if you go to AllegianceClothing.com. Legionsclothing.com, guys. Type in that code PUNCH and you are going to get 15% off site-wide. I want to see the next stadium full of Allegiance clothing <laughs> waving that of, flag. Uh, well, you know, what's by the time there's another pay-per-view, they might be able to be wearing the wave the flag t-shirt. Oh. Or did I say too much? Mm, you said too much. But did I say too I much? Love, I love that you said a saying. What? No, you just said wave the flag. We have yeah. select sayings. Um, there's, guys, there's a company out there right now. Okay called gambler's mentality everyone that listens to this episode you're here for one reason one reason only maybe you wanted to hear the past 30 minutes of dale and i breaking down <laughs> what was 261 but this we know show. you weren't here for that no you guys are here because you want to hear the breakdowns you want to hear the lines you want to put together the most stellar slip but it's not just what's in your bank account guys it's about what you're wearing <laughs> guys go to gamblersmentality.com if you want witty sayings great Great material, great fit, badass logos. Gambler's Mentality is a cool clothing company. Guys, check them out. And if you want to take advantage of any of the clothing they have listed, just type in the code PUNCHLIST20 and you're going to get 20% off. Gamblersmentality.com. It's really awesome. I'm going to Vegas, Dale. I don't know if you knew this on Friday. Yeah, I did know that you're going to Vegas, which is great because you're going to be leaving me here all high and dry by myself. But yes, go to Vegas and have fun. Well, I'm going to do that. But I'm also going to do like what our friends at Lunch Money Bets do. I'm actually going to like get a physical slip, dude. Yeah, so that's true. for all these bets that we're going to tell you about right now, I'm getting physical slips. I'm going to hold them up and wave them in Dale's face like, fuck, dude. Yeah. You should meet up with the dudes from Lunch Money Bets while you're out there. I should, except for they're probably like, oh, look at this kook going to the strip. And yeah, dude, I'm living my life on the strip for 24 hours. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure Ryan and D-Lo would be happy to show you around, man. They're going to come on the Ferris wheel with me. I bet you they would. I bet you they would. All right, I'm going to ask. I bet you guys could eat popcorn on the Ferris wheel together. That'd be cool. I'm going to get a pinwheel hat and live my life. Make out? Wait, what? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> hey, what? All right, man, let's break this card down. We're, we're, we're a half hour into this bad boy, so let's let's get after it. First fight on the main card. One that's near and dear to your heart, man. Pollyanna Botella taking on Luana Carolina. Botello at 8-3. and three. Carolina at 6-2. and two. I really like this fight, man. Batella minus 245, uh, Luana Carolina at plus 205. Over and around here is at two and a half. I'm going to be honest with you. Women's underdogs, baby. Plus two, plus 200. 
on a fight that I think is really close to a 50-50 here, baby? Come on, man. Carolina, South Carolina. I feel a certain type of way. What you think? I know. I know. That line's ridiculous for a women's women's fight. Pollyanna is a girl that likes to fight from distance. Uh, she's got good takedown defense in the, you know, plus 80%. Um, the problem is when she's gets into like a close affair, especially let's go, let's talk about Luana for a second. She's a Muay Thai fighter. She likes to be in that clinch work. She likes to get in close and make it a little bit dirty. Luana, the problem with her, is she's going to take like 15 shots to close the distance. She's not very defensively sound. So she will bull rush you a little bit, but if she's able to get herself in close, utilize that Muay Thai style, the knees up the middle, I think she can make this fight really dirty. I'm a little bit worried about Botella as it gets to the ground. I think the ground and pound is going to fare Luyana, who's going to come in here, I think, a little bit heavier. Um, I The only thing I'm a little bit worried about is, is Luyana going to be a little bit gun shy because of that Ariana Lipsky freaking knee bar, you know, and wanting to stay away from all submissions. That was yeah. the dirtiest knee bar of all times. If you ever get knee barred like that, you're probably like, ah, dude, I don't want to do anything on the ground. But that's where she needs to take this. I'm going to go with the dog here that is Luana Carolina. I'm going to take her at plus 205. I think she gets this thing done, um, and why not on a coin flip that is a women's MMA fight? You think she's getting it done inside the distance, or you think she's just getting it done as in getting the victory? I think she's going to get it done. I think is she she's going to con- control the octagon. I think she's going to you know lay up against the cage, and if she can get it down on the ground, I don't think Botel is going to get back up. You know, she has great takedown defense, but I don't think enough to get back up and elongate the fight. Botel is such a big chick, though, man. She's really sturdy. Luana's pretty big too, though. So yeah. All right. I'm going to take plus money on, on dog. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm betting every women's underdog from here on out. <laughs> I love I'm, t- it. I'm telling you. Shout out to uh, uh, T-shirt winner KOF and Ray. He told us something. He told he, he sent us a little message that I didn't realize. He tracks all of our bets. Mm. So That's when scary. It, well, yeah, right? So whenever <laughs> we say stuff, like, he puts it all down now. So, <laughs> so um, last year, you know, we, we did a good job of policing ourselves. But this year, with all the stuff we say, uh, my man is my man is keeping track of everything. So, ugh, right, <laughs> yikes, ugh, right. That that I probably should have told you that after the show, so that way it didn't influence everything. Which some bets here? Yeah, really. All right, man. Marab Davishvili taking on Cody Stamen. Marab at twelve and four. Stamen at nineteen and three. Oh boy. Here's the you thing. Can write Matt. down this one. You can write you, you want me write, you write this down. Here's here's the play here. Uh that's gonna be Marab. <laughs> Marab. Uh Marab Marab uh at a minus two fifty and Cody Stamen at a plus one ninety five. Over under rounds is at two and a half with the over two and a half coming in at a minus three twenty with the under two and a half at a plus two sixty. I like Marab and I like him by decision here against Cody Stamen. What do you what are you thinking here? Well, I think this is a wrestler's wet dream here. Um, mm, the problem love, is you, yeah. <laughs> you could think that mm. Cody Stamen could hold his own, but we know that Marab, there's a reason he's called the machine. His cardio is on a freaking another level. I mean, I'm telling you, that guy is one of those guys you wake up, hungover, 5 a.m., and you see this guy running wind sprints, and you're like, what an asshole. But that's who he is. He is a guy that is going to just be in your face all day long, not even be taking deep breaths. What makes me even more nervous about this fight, though, Dale, Cody's dropping from 145 to 135. The dude's already a freakishly in shape guy. So, like, God, that's going to be such a tough cut and a weight cut like that for Cody. 
is going to wear on him from a cardio perspective. I don't think that their their wrestling's on the same level. I would think the best person to go up against Marab is someone who's going to have better striking. Marab has atrocious striking. He only uh. utilizes his striking to set up his wrestling. He'll throw it all, you know, aggro like, and then get where he needs to be. But now Marab's going to win this thing. I like the decision play on it, but I mean minus two fifty five. I'd take him now because it's going to get deeper. Well, Cody's fought at Bantamweight before. Um, I think just these last couple fights have been elevated. Uh, or no, he fought. Did he fight Jimmy Rivera at Featherweight too? I thought that was at 135. I thought it was at 145. I, I know he fought. The first time he's been dropping down at 135. I didn't know he, threw, he was at Bantamweight. He was ranked at Bantamweight, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. You're making me, you're making me doubt the things that I know in my heart to be true. <laughs> In my heart, I know to be true that Cody Stamen was a ranked bantamweight and then moved up the featherweight because he took a fight on short notice and then took another one because he performed so well uh, after his brother passed. And then he's back down to bantamweight again. Hmm. I know that to be true in my heart. I, just, I don't know about that. But okay. okay. Well, people will fact check us and then tell us we shouldn't have a podcast because I said one thing incorrectly. So, <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I can't believe these guys fucking have a show because they talk about the stuff and they, this idiot said one thing wrong. All right, Sean Strickland taking on Christoph Jocko. Sean Strickland at 22 and three. Christoph Jocko at 22 and four. Oh, man. Jocko at a plus 210. Sean Strickland at a minus 250. Over and around is at two and a half year Trey, I hate this line. I like Sean Strickland in this fight, but I freaking hate this line. I'm confident in Sean Strickland, but am I minus 250 juice confident on Sean Strickland? Absolutely not. Christoph Jocko is, you know, for the longest time has sort of bounced around between this idea of prospect, one to watch, maybe future title contender kind of deal, but has always sort of, I don't want to say fallen short because he's on a three-fight win streak as it is right now, but... It's one of those things where, like, he just doesn't seem to ever put in the performances necessary to get him to the point where they're going to book him for, like, a big fight next, right? Like, when your biggest fight to date is, I don't know, take your pick here. This is, I mean, this is half dozen, whatever, six. I mean, Eric Anders, Brad Tavares, and Uriah Hall. Like, those are your biggest named opponents, for as long as Christoph Jocko has been in the UFC, I feel like he should have worked himself into higher level competition at this point. And he's getting fed a killer here in Sean Strickland. Uh, Sean Strickland has looked nothing short of sensational since coming back from his long layoff far following that motorcycle accident. Um, Sean Strickland, I, I honestly kind of like Sean Strickland inside the distance here, to be honest with you. The dude's a killer. He's so slick. He's so smooth. If you hear him talk, he sounds a little bit on the slow side, but dude, he is super smart inside the cage. And an absolute animal, man. He is not afraid to throw down. He can get it done wherever he wants. He's good on the ground. He's good with the hands. He is a beast and a force to be reckoned with. I really like Sean Strickland. Uh, Christoph Jocko's got a stiff test ahead of him here. Yeah, and I think you know his resume is not built to where maybe you like it because of his inactivity. He's been riddled with injuries. Um, you know, both these guys, you know, have had long layoffs. Obviously, you said with Strickland and his motorcycle accident, but he's come back and he's made statements. He's got that crisp boxing. He's got good takedown defense. I mean, when he beats people up, he's getting freaking motivated. When he fought uh, Jack Marshman, dude, he was talking shit mid-fight. Like, 
He's in your face. Brennan Allen, dude, we're high on Brennan Allen. He was able to negate the wrestling defense and actually take that apart as well. Son Strickland has got a very well-rounded game, but his boxing is where he really thrives. Um, I like I'm liking the under two and a half here. I, I'm going with you with Sean to make this a little juicy. I like, I mean, definitely inside the distance. Um, that line's heavy, but I think it is justified. Yeah. I mean, you look at the three losses that Strickland has on his record. Aleski's, uh, uh, Zaleski Dos Santos, Kamara Usman, and Santiago Ponzinibbio. Mm. I mean, he's only lost the upper-level competition. Right. Uh, so I... I, I, mean, I don't think Jock goes up there with the with the caliber of opponent that usually beats Sean Strickland. So I'm I'm running with Strickland here, man, and I like no, him especially in, dude, inside Jocko, the distance. Jocko's one of those dude. He's he's a quintessential fighter that you always talk about. He's a guy that has his head up high, his hands low. Like, yeah. what is a boxer going to do with that? Yeah, he's beat him another, up. Another wet dream right there, bro. There's a lot of wet dreams here, bro. What do you got going on right now? You talk a whole lot about wet dreams. You need to change. A lot a, of them. You need to change the sheets. What do we got going on here? <laughs> yeah. No, uh -huh. just putting plastic wrap down, dude. Right. Under two and a half <laughs> at a plus one forty. All right, I like that plus money. I like that plus money. All right, man. Co-main event of the evening, but the people's main event. Can I? Can I hit the? Can I do the sound for no. the? Is this the? Can I, is this no. the people? What? We're on the same side though. It's not people's main event if you, we're not. You're not doing this to me. We've already talked about this. You are not doing this to me all right i'm not going to allow it I'm not gonna dude i won't. I won't i'm not taking who i joked about this morning that's you weren't joking when you said that you are not allowed to do this this is you, you, I, mm -mm, mm -mm. no now i know what you're trying to do dale i'm gonna tell, hit the people's the main event i'm gonna hit the people's main event because you're gonna go on the side no. you're supposed to be on no. you're dude you have to no. you i know why you're doing this no it's the people's bitch. main event. It's the, it's the people's main event. Cub Swanson versus Giga Chikadze. Oh. Cub Swanson plus 120. Giga at a minus 150. Over under and rounds is at two and a half. Okay. My apologies. My apologies. I thought you were talking Eon Kutalaba, Dustin Jacoby. Oh, I skipped that one. Oh, I'm an idiot. I completely yeah, so skipped that. Don't look at me like You're I'm right. a moron. My bad, dude. My bad. <laughs> Jesus. Ewan Kutalaba minus 130. <laughs> God. You're trying to get me to take Justin Jacoby. Okay, for those that are, are, are longtime listeners, the people's main event, we are one and one. I secured my one last fight taking El Jefe over Mongolian murder. We're one and one. Now it's getting serious, dude. And this is not the people's main event. This Beyond is not the people's main event. Jacoby. No, sorry. My bad. I got so excited because Cub Swanson's fighting. I lost track of the bout order. All right. Don't worry, dude. My mistake. Get it on your soapbox in about my five mistake. minutes. Yeah. Uh, my mistake. My mistake. <laughs> All right. Ewan the Hulk Kutalaba, minus 130. <laughs> Dustin Jacoby, plus 110. Over under and around is at one and a half. Spoiler alert here, Trey. I'm Come going Dustin. Forward. I'm going Dustin Jacoby. You're going against a Caucasus Mountain Warrior, like huh. the pinnacle of Caucasus Mountain Warriors. The reason why we invented the phrase Caucasus Mountain Warrior is for Marab and Iwan Kutalaba, <laughs> but I might fade Iwan Kutalaba here. Uh, yeah. I think he has six minutes to get it done, and if he doesn't, Dustin Jacoby's out of there, or Dustin Jacoby's going to get him out of there. Is it? 
I feel like it goes against my values as a person, not so much as a better, but as a person to go against a guy like Iwan Kutala. But what should I do here? I'm torn. Make my pick for me, please. I will for sure. Okay, you want to talk about strength of schedule. Ian Kutalaba has fought the who's who. Dustin Jacoby has got a freaking identity issue, dude. This is a guy that came into MMA, fought like one or two times, then bailed to kickboxing. Now he's back in MMA. He's He has wins over freaking Justin Ledette. You love, you love Justin Ledette, though. I honestly feel like producer Jake could beat up Justin Ledette. I love I love producer Jake, but Justin Ledette would fuck him up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, all I'm saying is this: this fight is kind of ridiculous to talk about. I am taking Ian Kutalaba, but this fight is not going to happen. Okay, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Dude, don't put that on me. Don't put that out there because no, you I said want this, this with the weight challenge thing. I'm going to say it right now because of COVID. Right. Ian Kutalaba is going to get COVID before this fight. My man gets more COVID than a guy going to that wet market in fucking Wuhan and eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Ian Kutalaba is eating bats every single night. This fight is not happening. He's had COVID. You, you tell me, oh, dude, you're going to get COVID once? Bullshit, dude. This guy's had COVID like six times. <laughs> don't put that on me. Um, don't don't put that. On. Listen, he's only. I don't know how many times he's had COVID, but they they would have you believe that you can only get COVID one time. So if you can only get COVID one time, there's no way he could have had it twice. Who's and if they? he's, I don't know, man. It's, it's freaking fake science. They just make this shit up as they go. <laughs> they have no idea what it is. They're just making it up. The science isn't real. They just make it up, man. So, no, I don't believe that he's going to – I don't – don't say that he's going to get freaking COVID again because I don't know – I've never caught the flu twice in one year, right? And that's all this is anyway. I don't know. It's not – whatever, man. If he's a bat licker, he's a you get bat- the flu shot, dude. Yeah, I don't get the flu shot ever, <laughs> ever, ever. I don't – I am – don't. I am freaking – anyway. I am, un- I am I am the most unvaccinated man on earth. All right. <laughs> Wait. So who are you taking? I'm gonna. T- I'm gonna take you on. I. Okay. I'm gonna take him. That's a full disclosure. That's a heart pick, not a smart pick. Ewan Kutalaba is a heart pick, not a smart pick. All right. I think it's a smart pick. He's gonna have better fight IQ. He's gonna wrestle fuck J- Dustin Jacoby. He's not gonna wrestle him at all. He's literally going to swing and try to separate his head from his shoulders. No, he's able to get singles and doubles, and he's he not a freaking Hulk smash, dude. He will not That's what he's going to do. All. He's not going to wrestle at all. Watch him. We can't do a people's main event on fight technique. It has to be on an actual fight. All right. Okay, well, that's this next one. All right. People's main event. Here it is. Let's go. Let's get it. Cub Swanson, plus 120, taking on your boy Giga Chikadze at a minus 150. Over on our rounds is at two and a half. There it is. People's main event. It's going down right now. Because I'm so much better at this than you are, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, my God. All right. Well, I'm just going to say one word here. Go ahead. Two words, actually. Sorry, go. I'm retarded. <laughs> With the hard R's, bro. Oh. Giga trains at Kings MMA. My two words, Benny Dariush. Okay. All right. That what is camp that? is so solid. This Georgian freaking kickboxer. Mm-hmm. Four victories, nine months. There are a couple people. Sure, Cub Swanson came back after his little ACL issue and, 
and like, oh, put on it, put on a clinic against Daniel Pineda and just like knocked him to the, the ether. Giga fought fucking four times in nine months and made it look easy. You even said it's the last time we're ever going to see Giga plus money in 2020 early. He mm -hmm. is now at a minus 150. There's a reason. This guy is a smart fighter. He's got deadly head kicks. He's not good at wrestling, but what? Cub Swanson's not going to wrestle you. Cub Swanson's going to want to stand and bang. And I think someone that's technically sound, who's younger, who's hungrier, who's on the up and up, who needs a name like Cub Swanson, this is a big issue for Cub Swanson. If Cub can get through this at 37 years old, then by all means, I'm a huge Cub Swanson fan. I think he has sick tattoos. I love those palm trees coming up as obliques. But I just don't think that this is going to happen for him, man. I think this line's going to get a little bit wider as people start to get a little bit more secure and a little bit oh a little bit safer with their money i'm going giga here i'm taking him by decision because cub i think is going to uh have the uh, wherewithal and the strength to get through to the at least three rounds giga decision boom i hate this for you i hate this for you because i will single-handedly myself and team beard are single-handedly going to will cub swanson into victory on saturday night <laughs> um all things considered, given past precedents of things that I've said on the show, you should be hammering Giga Chikaze at minus 150 because it is a beautiful price on a beautifully talented man. However, it is not his fault that he's going up against one of the OGs of the sport that still has plenty of miles left on the tires that is Cub Swanson. I'm sorry. But a win over Jamie Simmons, who looks like the homeless guy underneath the bridge on my way to work, a win over Erwin Rivera, a win over Jamal Emmers, a win over who was the other cat that he beat? Um, who was his other win in, in freaking 2020? I can't even remember. What was it? Who was it? Omar Morales. Omar Morales win is the only win of his that I will give any sort of credence to because I believe Omar Morales is going to be is a future stud. He's already a stud now, but he'll he'll continue to grow to be an even bigger stud uh, as long as he you know gets it together. He's one of our bigger bets a few weeks ago. Outside of the Omar Morales win, I, I Jamie Simmons. Jamie Simmons fights on this card too, does he not? Is he not in the prelims? I believe that he is. No, he's not. Are you sure the Afro Samurai is not fighting this week? Is it he's next week fighting. that he's fighting? Not this week. Okay. All right. So, uh, Jamie Simmons, Erwin Rivera, uh, and Jamal Emmers. I know that those he has more wins over more people, but those are if you're saying four wins in 2020, he didn't do it against elite level competition. He didn't do it against guys uh, like Cub Swanson or even the people that Cub Swanson has beaten and or lost to. Any of those people, if you take, listen, if you take any of the last five opponents of Cub Swanson and put them up against Giga, Giga's the underdog. Against Cron Gracie, get the fuck out of here, dude. Cron Gracie, yeah, of course Cron Gracie would be a what, favorite in a, against in a, Giga. In a, in a oh, grappling match, maybe. Are, are you, you, he, are you he kidding is, me? He's Dylan Dennis in, in UFC form. That's all he is. Did you watch the fight with Cub? Cron's got hands. He doesn't have hands, dude. Give me a break. I think he, like, he, he he straight up walked in and was like, dude, do I have to take off my gi? Dude, there's no way you watch that fight. There's no way you watch that. And and, and you Kron's got hands. Are you you have got it? You're joking me. Kron's got hands. No, Cub just didn't look good. 
You're going to make my head explode. Here we go. You're going to make my head explode. There is no (laughs) way that you believe that in your heart. You can't. You can't. I believe it. No, you don't. You're just trying to get me fired up. It's not going to work. Listen, Cub Swanson is going to beat Giga, and he's going to do it by sheer will and determination in the heart of a lion. He's got a bunch of babies at home. He's got Kenda Perez. Dude, he's got his life outside the cage is awesome. So when he gets to come into the cage, he gets to let all that out. You, as a suburban man with a wife and kids, how angry are you on a day-to-day basis? I'm super angry, dude. That's what I'm saying. You're one traffic cutoff away from fucking losing it at all point in time, right? It's important to you that you get to go to jiu-jitsu and strangle people, is it not? It is, yeah. Okay, so imagine you're Cub Swanson, and you're at home, and you've got three babies under the age of five, and you've got <laughs> and you've got a wife, Right. And I, 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 maybe Kenda Perez is the the nicest, most low maintenance woman on the planet Earth. Maybe she's not though. Maybe she's like a normal lady, right? And even though she means well and she loves on you, and you you're the king of the castle. You're still angry. You still want to <laughs> smash shit, right? And you yeah. never, you never get a chance. You know what? T.J. Dillashaw pulled out of his fight today with. Um, yeah, well, uh, he with- didn't pull out, dude. He didn't pull out. He had a massive cut above his eye. Right. So he had to not take the fight so that's pulling out of the fight oh you made it sound like he actually trust me i think he's the biggest bitch of all time right okay but but his whole eyebrow was laid open you know who did that you know who did that i don't my boy cubby really i'm why who wouldn't who dude why wouldn't cub be the one to do it i don't know i don't i don't i don't know that's what i'm saying so it had to be cub I'm giving it to Cub. I don't know who did it. I'm just going to – I'm speculating that it was Cub. All right. So how heavy are you going? How many units are you going on this bad boy? First of all, we don't talk about units here because we don't unit shame people. But you want me to – you want me to tell you how – I don't I want to know. I don't know how many units I'm going to put on them. It's going to be my biggest play of the night. It's going to be my biggest play of the night. I don't know what it's going to be yet. Because here's the thing is I got Cub when the fight was first announced and he was plus 180. And now he's at plus 120, so I don't necessarily know how big I'm going to go on the double down. Okay. Okay. Is he going to be a parlay piece? That's all I want to know. He's not going to be a parlay piece. (laughs) There's confidence. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? (sighs) Oh, shit. Uh, I hope all your dreams come true. (laughs) I hope all your dreams come true. All right. Main event of the evening. Dom Reyes. Dom the athlete Reyes, right? Did, Did you know that Dom Reyes is an athlete? No. Never. Yeah, Dom Reyes plus 110 taking on Yuri Prohaska at a minus 100 over on rounds at one and a half here. Why? I'm throwing I'm throwing a curveball for you here. Uh, at you here. I'm taking Dom Reyes. Because he's so athletic. He's so athletic. Did you know, Dale, that he played football? I do know that he played football. I've heard that somewhere. I've heard that Dom Reyes played football somewhere. I also heard that he was in a very competitive fight with John Jones that some people thought that he won. Uh, however, he has not looked like the same Dom Reyes since then and then has been off since getting knocked out by the Polish power himself. That is Jan Blahovitz. However, he is bouncing back and he's taking on Yuri Prochaska here. I rewatched both of these men's last fight, right? And while Dom Reyes lost his and Yuri won his, I'm going to go ahead and say this. When Yuri fought Vulcan Ozdemir, Ozdemir tagged him a bunch. And there were two, there were two instances in the first round where Ozdemir hit him and Yuri had his bell rung. Um, 
I also think that he had a little bit of adrenaline dump, octagon jitters, the whole nine. But he can't do that hands low, weird head movement, loopy, thrusty shit against Dom Reyes. Dom Reyes is fundamentally sound. He's going to piece him up, bro. Oh, my God. The Devastator's coming back. Oh, my God, dude. The Devastator's coming back. Dude, I'm, I'm just saying, if you can get a guy like Dom Reyes at plus money, you should play Dom Reyes at plus money. You talk about finding value. This is a value play. You want to talk about value, right? That's what we want to talk about sometimes is betting value. This is a good value play. If you can get Dom Reyes at plus money against a guy that only has one fight in the UFC, he's only got one fight, man. He's only fought Vulcan Uzdemir, flat-footed, hands out to his side like a Mortal Kombat character, Vulcan Uzdemir, and pieced them up, even though Vulcan Uzdemir had success and had him rocked. And you can get Dom Reyes at plus money. I it just it's it's smart. It's smart to try to play. A dog that'll fight for your money is Dom Reyes. He's an athlete too. Don't forget he's athletic. It's it's barely a dog. It's almost a pick'em. I bet you it actually gets closer to a pick'em. Perfect. Um, get it now. Get it to listen to me now. Let me influence your ear holes and play him now. Prior to his promotional debut against Volkan Uzdemir. The guy had nine stoppage wins. Mm-hmm. Or, and the reason he got pieced up by Vulcan is because he has this unorthodox style. Dude. He leaves himself wide open, but he's very durable. And when he lands, he can land. The one thing about Dom Ray is that I think everyone is enamored by when the is, is the John Jones fight, that he, that he won that fight. But after that, fought the Polish power, got laid out. And I think the blueprint has been laid out. Who is Dom race? He is the most predictable fighter on the planet. Yes. He's athletic, mm. but he doesn't show feints. He doesn't do anything unorthodox. He's very like, Hey, I just walked into an MMA gym. I'm very athletic and I know how to throw a punch, but he doesn't have that unique technique that kind of mm. like fades one way and lands another. I'm liking Yuri here because I don't think Dom Ray is going to be able to put him out. I think when you get looks like a Volkom Uzdemir on a big stage in your promotional debut and you win, it speaks volumes. Volkom is a vet. He's a guy that is extremely well-rounded. Dom Reyes had his moment in the sun that was John Jones, and he peaked. Unfortunately, hmm. he thought that his win on that was bigger than anything else and that his skill set was good enough. The thing is, he still needs to evolve. And I don't think he's looked at himself and said, you know what? I need to look at other facets of who I am as a mixed martial artist and evolve those areas. Instead, he's like, I'm good. I'm on cruise control. And now we're seeing him decline. I think Yuri's going to put him out. I'm going freaking inside the distance. I don't like one and a half because I know Dom's not going to put him out in one and a half. Yuri's extremely durable. Hmm. I don't think Yuri's going to get him down because I think Dom is going to be athletic enough to use his footwork and move around the cage. I like inside the distance. I like Yuri. If you want to find value and not go minus the minus side on 100 for Yuri inside the distance, Yuri. There you go. Yeah. I'm going opposite of that. I, I, like I said before, respectfully, I disagree with just about everything. You said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's that? That's that thing in a, What's that movie? He's like, respectably, like, fuck you. Yeah, I just I said I just, respectable. Right, with all due respect. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do. I just I disagree with just about all of that. <laughs> I think that I think that Dom Reyes um, believed in his heart that he beat John Jones, and a lot of people thought that as well. So the fight with 
uh, Jan was supposed to be retribution for that. And the whole time, Reyes was just sort of acting as if he was about to be crowned king without actually having to win the battle to become the king, right? Uh, kingdoms are not won uh, without bloodshed. And it was like Reyes had never learned that lesson before. You cannot become the king if you're not willing to shed some blood. Jan Blahovitz understood that and understands that very well. Not only do you have to to take a kingdom by with bloodshed, but it takes bloodshed to keep it as well, which we saw in the Israel Adesanya fight. You have to be willing to fight. You have to be willing to get dirty and get in the grime and the grit to make things happen. And Dom Reyes, instead of like his normal corner, came out with his brother and his dad and his friends, like essentially had like his mom walk him to the octagon, <laughs> like, like Mike Perry and his girl, because he just wanted this moment on Fight Island. Like everybody was, he wanted all of his family to be with him whenever he won the belt. And that was not the case, right? Jan Blahovitz gave zero shits about that and separated his nose off of his face and beat him to death in front, or damn near beat him to death in front of everybody. Reyes, it, that's touching a hot stove. You only have to learn that lesson one time. You cannot go into this fight thinking that you've got this beat. He is very much aware that he's an underdog here. He's very much aware that if he is ever going to capture the momentum and get the opportunity to fight Jan Blahovitz again, he has to do it by knocking off a top five guy, which he has here in Yuri Prohaska. He's got to get it done. The light heavyweight division is still wide open. Whenever your first title defense as the light heavyweight champ is the middleweight champ, the light heavyweight division is yours for the taking still. It takes one emphatic win, and you can you can literally sail that ship right back to the same port and say, I want Blahovitz again. If he goes out there and kicks the beard off of Yuri Prohaska and says, I want Jan back, I want Jan back, and licks the blood off of his gloves like BJ Penn, how do you not make that fight? Who else are you going to have Jan fight at 205? Who else? That's fair. I mean, so, it's so shallow division, though. Huh? It's, it is a shallow division, but you have to capitalize that. If you're going to be a shark in a pond, you got to eat all the other fish. Dom Reyes needs to do this. So, uh, I like him at plus money. I like him with the motivation behind him. I like him back in the United States. I'm taking Dom Reyes at plus money here. That's fair. Yeah, you're damn right. It's fair. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to make up all my money on the prelims. That's where I always cut my teeth, bro. You cut your teeth on the prelims. All right, we have to get through them quickly though, because we're fucking doing this whole show took forever. <laughs> this whole did this. We got to pace these better. One, it's like midnight here, and I start to get loopy. And then two, we just talk a lot. All right, so. <laughs> oh, chat says Rockets too. I always forget about Alexander Rockets, which oh, doesn't yeah. bode well for Alexander Rockets. People shouldn't forget who you are. And I have a I have a decent memory. I'm sort of like an encyclopedia. But I'm not a rain man, but I'm pretty close. I want you to drop some some straws behind you right now. Some straw, the toothpicks. Or is it toothpicks? Toothpicks. See, you rain man, my rain man. Come on, bro. It's toothpicks, man. Come on, we got to watch Judge Judy or not Judge Judy, People's Court. I, I say that, and then I screw it up immediately. It's People's Court, not Judge Judy. <laughs> Damn it! Damn it! All right, are you ready? Let's do this. All right, your boy Luke Sanders taking on Philippe Corrales. Luke Sanders at 13 and 4, Corrales at 9 and 2. Do we have odds for this? No odds. No Perfect. odds. That's okay. I want to know statistically, somebody go back in the annals of time because I, I don't want to do it, but I want to know. <laughs> I want this information, but I don't want to work for it. Has there ever been a fighter that has had more opening bouts in the UFC than Luke Sanders? 
opening i'm pretty sure that luke sanders has been the opening bout on a card uh, four times i believe this is the fourth time that luke sanders has been the opening bout on a ufc fight card it makes sense dude he's enticing and the reason he's enticing is because he's a bat out of hell he is a guy that will die on his shield he yeah. will throw hands as hard as he can in the first round and a half then he'll get clipped and he'll die that's exactly what's going to happen here. I know this is a short notice fight for Philippe Kraus. Philippe Kraus is going to come into this with, I think, the same cardio for having a sh no camp whatsoever than Luke Sanders. Luke Sanders' guy, like I said, will throw everything he, he can up against the wall the first round and a half, and then he will die. Philippe Kraus teams out of trains out of Team Nagara. He's got great BJJ. He's got a good chin. He's got a black belt in judo. He's going to close that distance, throw you over his hip ground and pound you he's going to have a two and a half or two inch reach advantage so for him to set up those feints and get that takedown is completely feasible he's the former freaking jungle fight featherweight champion do you tell me jungle fight is not legit dude you were on it's my not. oh <laughs> wait i don't think that... jungle fights is that legit dude. where did that come from what do you mean who just said it's not me i went close to my mic oh my gosh bro i was looking at a different screen you sounded like a different person i thought somebody else like better no like a more effeminate i thought there was like a yeah. a, a lady boy in here oh, no, was... I'm, a, I'm a man okay all right I, that was <laughs> really strange man all right well Kraus is durable <laughs> he's legit on the ground i think that the kitchen sink is going to be thrown the first two seconds. Luke okay. Sanders is going to lose, especially being 35 on the back end of his career. I was trying to look, but I was trying to see how many times Luke Sanders has been submitted. Um, and I can't, I don't know what that number is. I was trying to see <laughs> had stats on that and I cannot, I can't, I can't find anything. So no big deal. Um, he was submitted by Yuri Alcantara via knee bar, Ronnie Yaya via heel hook, and that was, and then Nate Maness rear naked choke. So he's lost three out of his last five fights by submission. Ooh. That would lead towards a career. I would look at that and say, I initially looking at the matchup name value alone, I like to lean towards Sanders here. But um, given that the guy's lost three of his last five fights by submission, that would lead me to believe that, yeah, um, Corrales by submission might be a decent play here. Might be a decent little prop play there, player. All, All right. right, KB Bueller taking on Andreas Michalidis. Michalidis at twelve and four. KB Bueller at eight and one. Bueller. Last time we saw him, he fought Tom Breeze. Looked like he had never fought anybody before, and had one of those comically large chests, like you see when people inject that oil underneath their skin. Very, very uh, anatomically funky is KB Bueller. Plus 195 dog here taking Andreas Michalidis at minus 250 over on rounds at two and a half or one and a half. I'm sorry. Uh, I like Michalidis. This price is a little dicey, though. Might be looking at him as a parlay piece, though. I feel like this is pretty safe, even at a minus 250. Man, this is tough. KB Bueller, you know, my can Canadian boys. <laughs> I love to go heavy on the Canadian boys. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. Um, yeah, there's yeah. a reason. I think they're soft. Um and it proved to be when Tom Breeze, to your point, was just lighting him up with that jab. It was it was as if it was a freaking overhand, right? It was not 
Andre Michalaitis, though, I don't think he's that great of a fighter either. Oh. I think this is a fight I'm going to stay away from. The Modestus Bukowskis fight that he lost, that was a weird one because he shot in for a single and then kind of was like half on his knees and then he got hit in the back of the head and the ref's like, dude, we got to stop this. we got to stop this, even though it wasn't really a true stoppage. So yeah. I don't really take too much weight in that loss. I think that both these fighters have a lot of vulnerabilities in their game. Um, I like the under two and a half because I think either of these can get clipped very easily. One and a half. Is it one and a half? It's one and a half. Yeah, I said two and a half, messing it up, and now I implanted that in your brain. It is one and a half. But one and a half is at plus money. You can get it at plus 110. So under one and a half, I like. I, I like it too. Small cage, Apex. Both these guys are going to lay it on early. Yeah, I'm going there. I'm going Michaelitis, uh, and I'll go under the one and a half too. Perfect. I love it. Sam Hughes taking on Loma Luke Boomy. Uh, Luke Boomy at five and two. Sam Hughes at five and two. Oh, man. Sam Hughes at plus 305. Luke Boomy at a minus 380. Overrunner rounds is at two and a half. How we feel about Loma at a minus 380? I feel probably the most used parlay piece we're going to see on Saturday night, which means I'm not touching her. Women's MMA. Coin flip, baby. Plus 305. I'm going after that plus 305 dog money. Well, yeah, and it, it, she, she shouldn't be at minus 380, dude. She's Yes, she's at a Tiger Muay Thai, which I think is an insane striking camp. But she's a tiny chick, dude. She's a freaking atom weight. They don't have atom weight. This is a straw weight fight. Sam Hughes is going to come in a thick straw weight. Luma's good on the good and standing. She's not that great on the ground. Now, do I think Sam Hughes is going to come in and try and get this to the ground? That's what she needs to do. She's a D1 athlete. She has the ability to do it, but she's not a wrestler. She's extremely raw. She's, she's not well-rounded by any means she's very foundational i think if you're going to do anything sprinkle a little bit on sam hughes here otherwise stay away from this it's a total dog or pass but i think sam hughes here has an opportunity to try and get this thing down because luma while she has decent takedown defense she's such a tiny chick get this to the ground lay in prayer i'm going sam hughes by small small sprinkle small small sprinkle man plus 300 why not why not it's women's mma bro exactly I, I see no reason. Not if I lose that either. No, not at all. All right, Kai Kamaka taking on TJ Brown. Uh, Kamaka at eight and three. TJ Brown at fourteen and eight. Bro, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I know Kamaka's at a minus one sixty here. TJ Brown has a plus one thirty. Over and around is at two and a half. But this is a pick 'em fight. Can we be honest here? This mm-hmm. is a pick 'em fight. Yeah. Kai Kamaka is wildly fast. TJ Brown has you know a well rounded skill set. But this is a pick 'em fight. I, I even. Minus 160. I'm not saying that's like steep juice on on Kamaka, but I I really think that this is closer to a pick. My betting perspective on this is I'm staying away from this fight because it feels like so much of a coin flip. I'm leaning Kamaka, um, but realistically, if you want to know if I'm betting on this fight, I'm not. I'm, I'm not betting on this fight. But I'm no. leaning Kamaka. Just I think skills. I think skill set wise and speed and cardio. I think he should be able to. He should be able to beat TJ Brown. But I'm not willing to put money on it. I don't feel that confident in that assessment to put money on it. So I will not be betting on this fight on Saturday night. I hate this. I want to bet on it because <clears throat> it's a you know fellow Hawaiian here. But Kai Kamaka is getting that minus 160 for one thing and one thing only, and that is his fight against Tony Kelly. Yeah, beat Tony Kelly. He's gritty and freaking strong. Gets that lean, 
but we've seen thereafter he is a guy that gases it gases in the clinch exchange he's a guy to your point is extremely aggressive he's really scrappy he gets sucked into these firefights though and that's where he just kind of gets wild and doesn't stick to the fight iq brown on the other hand he's training with glory mma I'm gonna. I'm just like we were with Team Elevation. It's hard for me to fade a team that's on such a heater right now. Glory MMA with James Cross is on a heater. He's he has a good jujitsu game. He doesn't have a good striking game. But the reason his last two losses have occurred is because he got in these firefights. My biggest worry with TJ Brown is he's gonna get sucked in by Kai Kamara, who's gonna want to close the distance and throw hands. When what he needs to do is wrestle the shit out of this thing, try and get it on the ground, slow the pace. And utilizes jujitsu. I think if he does that, the the gas tank of Kai Kamara is going to deplete very quickly. I'm going to take the plus money in TJ Brown here. I'm going to fade another Hawaiian. The Hawaiians have not been doing very well. I think in the close cage, if TJ Brown sticks to what he needs to do, James Krause, you know that guy is going to freaking be screaming this every five seconds. Wrestle, 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 wrestle. He's going to get it done. All right, cool. I'm not, again. I'm not going to. Again, I think this this fight is the damn near pick a man. So I I have no. Uh, I have no dog in that fight. All right. So Gabriel Benitez at 22 and 8, taking on Jonathan Pierce at 10 and 4. Oh, man. Gabriel Benitez at a minus 200. Jonathan Pierce at a plus 160. Overrun rounds is at one and a half. Does Gabriel Benitez get a knockout here? I feel like Gabriel Benitez by knockout is the play. Um, I feel like Jonathan Pierce is going to be there to be hit, man. And I don't know, dude. I feel like I th- feel like we see a, a Mowgli W here. Mm. Dude, uh, someone that's just feeding on their own hype is Gabriel Benitez. Everyone at AKA oh, thinks man. this is the second coming of freaking Jesus, but he hasn't really proved it. Yes, mm. he's an insane kickboxer, but dude, Pierce is legit too, dude. He's uh, the problem is he he hasn't had an, an ability to show it. His last loss against Joe Lozon that was the best Joe Lozon we've seen in some time. Lost in freaking ninety three seconds to that UFC vet. <laughs> I think that. And actually, what he he fought Kai Kamara. Yeah, Kamaka. Yeah, that was his Kamaka, last fight. Yeah, so that was second round stoppage. I mean, he knows how to deal with the firefights. He knows how to deal with hard, hard, heavy-handed fighters. I'm going to go with Jonathan Pierce here by decision. I just don't think that Gabriel Benitez lives up to the hype of his name or what his teammates are saying. What what is the tattoo on Pierce's chest? That like weird circle with the minus sign in it. Is that like what what is that? Do you know what that's do you know what that symbol is? No, I have no idea. Okay. I don't know what it is either. That's a Some, wild one though. Yeah, if somebody in the chat knows, let us know. Or in the comments, let us know. Because I, I don't I don't know what that is. Um, it is an interesting tattoo though. Uh, I think Gabriel Benitez gets done. I think he gets done inside the distance here. I like I like Gabriel Benitez by knockout. He's got a fantastic um, I mean, the kicks of Benitez are fantastic, just to be honest with you. I mean, he, he's able to target the body in a way that that few people are able to execute at a high level. I like Benitez, man. I think he, Pierce is going to have to make this gritty. He's going to have to push Benitez up against the cage and, and and not allow Gabriel to operate at distance. If he allows Gabriel to operate at distance, I think he's going to sleep. But he's, he's not going to. And the reason is with the camp that he's in association. He's at fight ready. He's with the Henry Cejudos of the world. That's wrestle heavy, wrestle heavy. No, was, That's close the distance, dude. Yeah. Benitez is not going to be able to work from distance. Why not take the plus money? You just don't think it, AKA Benitez isn't going up against high level wrestlers day in and day out. But he, he, he fails to wrestle in every single one of his fights and he doesn't perform to the kickboxing level that he is a star studded. It frustrates me. So you're going Pierce at plus plus one sixty. Yes. 
I cheer for you because that's good plus money. However, I'm on the opposite side of that. Fair. So. Fair. All right. Last what a fight. way to end this. Holy moly. Yeah. Last fight. Feature prelim. <laughs> Random Marcos. At the saltiest record allowed in the <laughs> UFC. 10 and 10. Taking no. on. What? 9 and 10. Is she 9 and 10? No. Or 10 and 11. She's she's sub 500. Yes, no, she is. No, no, yes, no, no, no. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Hold on. I got to I got to consult my sheet here. Luana Pinedo. Um all right, we'll, we'll we'll hash this out offline. Let's let's put a bow on this thing. Random Marcos plus 140, Luana Pinedo at -170, O-run rounds at one and a half. Do you dare fade Random Marcos when her backs against the wall? Do you dare? Will she not just come out and and, and put that red hair in the middle of your chest, push you up against the cages, and continually take you down, and Matt return, Matt return, Matt return to a victory here. What is Luana going to do here to get Ronda, or Random Marcos off of her? How does she? How does she stop the uh, the quiet storm or the red storm? What is she? The red storm, <laughs> the quiet storm. I'm so freaking thirsty, man. There's a fruit fly in my damn tea. Oh, I'm so upset by it. You're having tea. I am. I'm having a little Arnie, Arnie Palmy. Ooh, a little vodka in there? No, no vodka. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I, dude, I don't know. I, why do I, I never want to bet Rana Marcos. She's not good, dude. She's 35 years old. Yes, push it up against the cage, elongate the fight if you can. Luana, though, to Dana White Contender Series fighters have not been doing well mm. in the Apex Center. Mm. Um, I don't like it. Um, to your point, Random Marcus wants to maybe bring it up the cage and get it down to the ground. My one thing that makes me want to lean Luana a little bit is she is decent in jiu-jitsu. She's brown belt. Um, she's routed off, obviously, a bunch of wins. But Random Marcos, man... I mean, you, every time it's just like you said. Every time you fade her, when her back's up against the wall, she she comes out with a win. Things get I dicey, mean, bro. Yeah. So why not take random Marcus at plus money? Take take, take 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 the chick at plus money, bro. Why not? <laughs> take the chick at plus money. All right. So let's go. Let's let's recap this real quick. Let's go straight money lines on how okay. you feel. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Sanders Corrales. Corrales. I'll go Corrales as well. Bueller, Michaelitis. Uh, Michaelitis. I'm on Michaelitis as well. Luke Boone, me and Hughes. <sighs> Luke Boone, me. Yeah, I'd like to see Hughes win, though. Yeah, um, me too. Kamaka versus TJ Brown. TJ Brown. I'm going to go Kamaka. Gabriel Benitez, Jonathan Pierce. Pierce. I'm going to go uh, Benitez. Marcos and Pinedo. Marcos. All right. I, I will too, just because <laughs> she continually finds ways to disappoint me. Yeah. All right, Pollyanna Botella versus Luana Carolina. Luana Carolina. I'm gonna go Botella there. Oh, well, here's the thing. So if we're just doing money line, well, I know I said I'd always bet women dogs. Yeah. So Carolina. All right. <laughs> Marav Davishvili taking on Cody Stamen. The machine. All right, give me Marav as well. Sean Strickland, Christoph Yako. Sean Strickland. I'm on Strickland as well. Ewan Kutalaba, Dustin Jacoby. Caucus Mountain Warrior, that is Ewan Kutalaba. That's right, the Hulk, baby. Cub Swanson versus Giga Chikaze. Man, dude, I want to for you, but I'm going on the Giga train. Giga, what? what, How do you say Giga's last name? Oh, dude, Chikaze. Okay, all right. Uh, Our 
chickadees dude i was gonna say if we do a whole, listener i was gonna say if we do in a whole episode you don't call them chickadees at least once people are gonna be upset all right i'm taking cub of course and then dom reyes yuri pohaska yuri and i'm taking dom reyes all right guys that wraps it up uh episode 72 of punch list in the bag can i do something real quick can i can you talk for 30 seconds and give me time to navigate to a website please Absolutely. Guys, if you are not following us on all social channels, I implore you, we're getting up and up, but our listeners in association to our followers on Instagram are not lateral. Let's go. You're listening to this easy follow. And the thing is you're missing out on a lot right before fight day. We're releasing the plays we like. It's the value plays that Dale likes, the value plays I like, and it's all available on Punchless MMA. Go to Punchless MMA. You'll find us on Instagram. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, all that other stuff. Don't really participate with that. Mostly just Instagram. Got a lot of big things coming up in the line. Really excited. Again, Punchless MMA on all social channels. Here's something fun. I didn't know we had a Facebook. Mm, Not really. I didn't know we had that. I mean, we share stuff to it. Right, but I I I didn't know that was a thing. Oh yeah. No, we're on it. Yeah. I didn't know my, uh, my mom called me and she was like, I saw your video on Facebook. And I was like, mm, I've been posting on Facebook since like 2011. Cause the government tracks you. And she was like, no, no, no punchless Facebook. And I was like, we have a Facebook. And she was like, yeah, you didn't know you have Facebook. You should pay attention to that. And I was like, yeah, I didn't know we had a Facebook. Yeah. We're also on MySpace. We're on Tinder. We're on everything, dude. Bro. Are we, are we on Bumble? <laughs> no, but we're on Hinge. Are we on Grinder? Coffee meets bagel. I don't know any of these. All I literally <laughs> just went through all the ones that I know. I know them all. I know them all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I want to give a shout out real quick. A couple different shout outs. Um, so shout out to our, uh we have a mega fan outside the Pittsburgh area, Wayland. Shout out to Wayland. Uh, but also I want to shout out everybody uh we used to highlight way back when, let's, like, let's recap way back, top cities where we got yeah. downloads. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, so um, we're back using the same analytic setup that we were before, so now we can view by city. Um, so I want to give a shout-out to our top cities from last episode. You cool with that? Yeah, I All love right. this. All right, San Antonio, Chicago, New York, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas and San Diego. Wow, a lot of Texas in there. A lot of Texas, bro. We're big in Texas, I guess. Yeehaw! All right. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do countries real quick. Do you want to do countries? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. I love this. <laughs> no, it's cool. I thought it was just everyone in San Diego or in South Carolina. <laughs> no, no. Somerville no. and San Diego. That's it, baby. That's. That's it. No. So we have, we have, obviously we have the United States that we've got, we've got, uh, Great Britain, England, Ireland, or I'm not, what's that? No, English Isles, whatever English Isles is. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Ireland, Scotland, France, and Philippines. So top five. Yeah. Check it out. Booyah, baby. Cool. English Isles. What are the English Isles? If you're one of the English Isles listeners, please let us know what that is. No idea. All right. Well, there you go. So shout out to those people. All right. Like Trey said, if you don't already follow us on all our social channels, please do so at Ponchless MMA. The best way to support the show is by supporting our show sponsors. Go to stayclassymeats.com, use promo code FIST, or go to bleedsclothing.com, use promo code PUNCH. And then Trey's 
Got the other thing that he's got going on. What is it? Punch list for 20%. Um, yeah, man. Check mentality. Yeah, gamblers mentality. And then last but not least, on May 8th, here, Ladson, South Carolina, punchless crew doing commentary for Ram FC. Go to ram-fc.com. Tickets available now. It'll also be available on pay-per-view. Your boy's going to be on the cans doing the commentary. Oh, yeah. And we just got word if you were thinking about making the trip, but you weren't sure if you're in the North Carolina, South Carolina Georgia, Florida, that like we got this like triangle about five, six hour commute. If you want to fly or fly or drive in, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's going to be in attendance. Matt Hughes is going to be in attendance. We're trying to get uh, Pat Militich in attendance. It's going to be a banger of an evening. 12 fights, pro kickboxing for the main event, mixed martial arts throughout the night, DJs, food, game, the whole nine, bro. It's going down. Everything you could want in an event. On top of the fact that the weigh-ins are taking place, Trey, your favorite establishment here in Somerville, South Carolina, yeah. the Honky Tonk Saloon, <laughs> on that go. Friday night, baby. So here we go, the Friday, or you know, the Friday before. So outstanding Saturday, May eighth, Ram-FC.com. Let them know Punchless sent you, please, and thank you. All right, talk to you guys later. Be good to each other, and we'll see everybody on social media this weekend. You're in Vegas this weekend, Friday. When do you leave for Vegas? Friday? Friday morning. Awesome. Sounds good. I'll talk to you before then, I'm sure. Bang, bang. Bang, bang.